Amen. As you can see, again, I keep stressing it. We are under construction. The service looks a little different today. Today is Word Day. We're just going to dive into God's Word. So let's bless this offering. Thank all of you that have given. Really appreciate it. It's because of you partnering with us, we can do the things that we're doing. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this day. God, I'm so grateful, God, and so appreciative, oh God, because truly you have been good to Israel. God, you have caused your face to shine upon us. God, you have kept your hand upon us. God, you have watched over us throughout, God, 2020, God, this year of adversity, and God, this season of oppression and trial, God, but it has definitely been the hand of God upon us. God, and I'm so excited about the future serving you. God, I know, God, that you still have wonderful, God, the scriptures calls it exceeding great and precious promises ahead for the people of God. So, God, help us lay hold on eternal life. God, help us to lay hold on your vision of harvesting souls, bringing people into the glorious kingdom of God, continue to convert people into citizens of the kingdom. God, and it's your good pleasure, oh God, to give us the kingdom. So, God, I pray for everyone that partnered today with us through their giving. God, bless their seed. God, let nothing, God, that they touch fall to the ground. God, let there be no lack in their life. God, but Jesus, even as you spoke it in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, that if we give, it will be pressed down it would be shaken together and it would run over and men would give into their bosom. So God, let the word of God be honored and let it manifest and let it be seen exactly what you said. And God, as we get ready for the word, God, we're talking about priorities today. God, I realize, God, that you are God that says you will have no other gods before you. God, that you will have God, no rivals God, that you have no equals. God, that besides you, there is none other. God, there is no God. God, even when the children of Israel begin to worship other gods, you call them vain. God, you called, even when they established a tree and they worshiped it, God, you let them know, God, that the tree couldn't even talk. God, that their idol had to be carried by itself. So, God, all the idols of the people are vain. God, let men know, God, that the true and the living God God is alive and well and still sovereign and still on the throne, ready to govern this world, ready to aid, ready to heal. God, ready to strengthen. God, your hand is not short. You haven't lost any power. God, your eyes have not closed that you can't see. God, your ears have not closed that you can't hear. God, your heart has not grown cold that you can't forgive can have mercy, but I thank you today, God, that you're still on the throne. God, that you're still reigning in the kingdom of men. God, that you're still looking down to God. God, the Bible says you sit high, God, and you look low. God, and you have respect unto the lowly. So, God, help us to remember what the psalmist said when he said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help because my help comes from the Lord. So, God, I thank you today. God, I pray, God, that every spirit, God, that would attempt to hinder your word, God, we bind it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, God, and let the word of God have free course. I'm even thinking about when Paul was locked in the jail at Philippi. He said, I am bound physically, but the word of God is not bound. God, the dynamics of church have changed but the word of God is still alive. God and is not bound. God, the word of God is not restricted to a geographical location. God, the word of God is not restricted to us being able to gather. God, but even as you've been carrying us through this pandemic, God, release your word today. God, let it find good ground. God, and I hear the spirit of God saying, God, that you, whenever you send your word, God, your word does not go out void. So, Father, send your word over the airwaves today, God, and let it perform. God, the word of God is a performer. God, the word of God is a performer. God, the word of God is a performer. God, send your word, oh God, to perform everything that you have set it out to do. Let it flow in Jesus' name, amen. So let's get into the word, hallelujah. I'm excited to be with you today. 
Amen. Like I said, we're under construction, and under construction is a good thing to me because that shows progress. And I know that the harvest is always plentiful. And I know that as we innovate and reconstruct and as God lead us and guide us, this is the normal process of how God operates. So now it's time to take another step forward, amen, and, and, and get ready because the pandemic is not the end of the world. There is another side to this, amen. We just got to pray that God carefully guides us through it, praise God. So we're getting ready, amen, to, and, and we're going to continue serving God. So what we're talking about today, and remember, next week things going to look totally different, man, so I'm excited about that. Amen. So for today, like I said, today is Word Day. Amen. We're going straight into the Word, and the title today is Priorities. Priorities. So if you would, I would that you would type that in the comment section or hashtag that because I really want to put that on your mind and in your spirit. Paul talked about how the Word of God is written in our hearts by the Spirit. Praise God. So let us allow the Spirit of God to write priorities in our spirit. So let's go into the, uh, let's get started. Let's go into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And today is kind of like a good teaching day. We're going to just do more teaching of the word. There's a couple of concepts in this sermon or this message or this teaching that's really profound. So I pray that you follow me. And when I get to them, I'm going to highlight them for you so that I can make sure you write them down because they are truly life-changing concepts that I'm going to share with you. There's two for sure. So let's go and lay some groundwork. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 40. All right. Verse 14 says this. Let all things be done decently and in order. Somebody write, God is a God of order. God is a God of order. And I know that's a short verse, but when I started reading that verse and meditating on that verse, and God, and I can hear the Spirit of God just saying, order, order. And what he was talking about, you know, order has so many different meanings. But I want y'all to make sure y'all put priorities, and then I want y'all to also make sure y'all hashtag God of order. Because you can't really walk with God until you understand that he's a God of order. Because most of the time that God is instructing you, his instructions are coming to bring your life in some type of order. And the, when you come to God, obviously our lives are out of order because if they were in perfect order, we wouldn't need a Savior. So when salvation comes and we're introduced to Christ, what Christ has come to do is put our life back in order. But understanding the concept that God is a God of order, when you travel back to Genesis, God had it in his mind to create this world and turn it over to man. But God didn't create the man first and drop him on the earth that was void and without form. The end game was I want to create a man. But when he looked at where he wanted to put the man, all he saw was an earth that was void and out of order. One translation says it was void or chaotic. One scripture talked about it was empty. There's different translations called it chaotic. Chaos is the opposite of order. It says the earth was empty and out of order. So the end game for God was to create a man. But what he had to do was he had to come and look at where he wanted to put the man. And then once he realized he wanted to create earth to be a habitat for man, he came down and the first thing he said was, let there be light. He started working in order. The spirit of God moved. Remember, the end game was to create a man and turn the earth over to the man. So he sent the spirit of God out and the spirit of God began to hover over the waters and it began to analyze all the materials and the iron and the zinc and the oxygen and the helium and the phosphorus and the carbon and the, the I mean, the spirit of God began to x-ray all of the elements. How many of you remember the element table? They began to analyze all of the elements that the earth had and God began to come up with a game plan. God said, okay, I want to create a man, but where I'm going to put him is not habitable right now. So God came first day. 
and let there be light, order. Then he began to go through each day, and then when he got to day number six, then the Bible says he created that garden and he put that man there. But he created the light, the light let him see, and then he started separating the waters from the water. He was laying down order. He was bringing order to chaos. And that's where when you start to learn how to walk with God, a lot of the peace that you're missing in life is because your priorities are wrong and things are out of order. For instance, let's say you're in a relationship and you, you're not financially stable, and I'm just using that, and you want to be married. Well, you lay with the guy before you marry. You have a baby with the guy before you marry. Neither one of y'all financially stable. Well, when you start doing things out of order, you are functioning in a life of chaos, and chaos does not create peace. Satan is the author of confusion. God gives peace. So you got to start looking and saying, okay, what's out of order here? What's out of order here? When your peace is being disturbed, a lot of times you can trace that to things in your life being out of order. And the number one thing that's out of order in people's life is God's place in their life. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about priorities and we're talking about the number one concept that I'm introducing is that God is a God of order. And when you start to, when, when you understand that God is a God of order, you read the Bible different because you'll start to see how things are orderly, how things are in line. You know, you will see things like even the birth of Christ. It was at the right time. It was in the right order. The scriptures say to everything, there's a season and a time. God doesn't do anything out of order. You can't rush God. You can't hurry God because when God does it, he wanted to be done right, excellent, and perfect, and that's why he functions in order. So that's concept number one. God is a God of order, people. So remember that. That's how his mind works. So let's go to this next scripture. I just had to give you that. Let me go show you over in Exodus chapter 34. So now we're going to start walking through and see why God the very first commandment. Now, when you look at this first commandment, Exodus 34, chapter 34, verse 14. Exodus 34, verse 14. Look what it says. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, listen, and I preached this before, whose name is Jealous. And if you read in that with me in Exodus 34 and 14, you see a capital J on there. A lot of us, we know God as Jehovah. We know Jesus' name. We can put it in Hebrew, call him Yahweh. We can call Jesus Yeshua. We can go call him Emmanuel, God with us. We can call God Elohim, El Shaddai, uh, Jehovah Jireh, all these different proper names. But many times people overlook that one of the names of God is Jealous, capital J. E-A-L-O-U-S. And that simply means, somebody write, his name is Jealous. And the word Jealous simply means this. Remember, we're talking about order. We're talking about priorities. That word Jealous means this. Not tolerating any rivals. It says his name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So what God is telling you is if I called you as a single man, and when I call you as a single man and your struggle is to let go of this lady, God is saying, I'm going to call you to move away from that. And that lady is not going to be my rival. If I'm calling you to worship me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, I'm not going to be in competition with anybody. That's what God is saying. I'm, when you come to me, you kind of surrender your whole life to me. And look what the scripture says in Psalms. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. When God starts giving you instruction, it's to bring your life in order. It's to set your priorities. Because number one, if God is not number one in your life, then your first priority of life is wrong. Because any human being, your number one priority in life is where do I stand with God? And if that's not your number one concern, your life is already out of order. Your life, if God is not number one in your life, you out of order. If your church is number one, if your husband is number one, if your job is number one, your kid number one, 
anything in your life other than God, number one, you are living a life that's out of order. Your life out of order. It says his name is jealous. He's a jealous God. So from his character, from that mindset, from his very nature of being jealous, not tolerating any rivals, we go over to this verse. Let's look at Exodus um, 20. Exodus 20. If you follow me over here to Exodus chapter 20, his name is jealous. He doesn't tolerate any rivals, praise God. God is not going to compete with anything in your life for priority. Let me show you why. So when you understand God is a God of order, and then when you understand that his name is jealous, then you can understand why he would say something like this. Exodus 20, verse 1 to 5. Exodus 20, verse 1 to 5. You can understand these verses when you understand, number one, God is a God of order. And number two, God is jealous, tolerates no rivals. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. God said, I'm the one that freed you. God said, I'm the one that took you out of the club. I'm the one that took you out of Miami Moon. I'm the one that broke that addiction of you putting that needle in your arm. I'm the one that broke that pornography off of your life. I'm the one that took that adultery out of your heart. I'm the one that brought you out of the house of bondage. I'm the one that broke suicide off your mind. I'm the one that cast devils out of you. I'm the one that freed you. He said, I am the one that has caused you to experience all of these blessings and all of this peace. And look what God said. Because my name is jealous, many times God will free us. God will take us out of bondage, take us off crack and heroin and, and idolatry and all kind of things. But somewhere along the walk, somewhere along the way, we allow idols or things to come in and take God's place. And God is letting you know today his name is jealous and he will tolerate no rivals because he is the one that freed you. And the scriptures say besides him, there is no other God. He says, so thou shalt, verse 3, have no other gods before me. God say, listen, church, I am not tolerating no other gods before me. Another man, another woman, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, how much money you make, your career, your job, your boss, your husband, your children, traveling to Europe, traveling to Tahiti, traveling to Canada, traveling to Ghana. God said, I don't care what you deem more valuable to me. I will not have no rivals because my name is jealous, which means my very nature is jealous. God said, at the core of who I am, I'm jealous. I want all of your attention. I want your heart. The scripture even said it like this, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That even saying glorify God in your body because it's his. So you are serving a God that tolerates no rivals people of God. So that's why God told me to come with this word today called priorities. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He said, thou shalt make unto thee no graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath and that is in the water under the earth. He said, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them to serve them. Here it is again. <laughs> he said, don't bow down yourself to serve anything, your company, your wife, your daughter, your son, nothing. He said, don't bow to nothing but me, the government. Don't bow to the principles of being a Republican if they're contrary to God. Some people, their politics is their God. They filter God through who they're going to vote for. You can't be a real Christian if you can only stand on the word when it coincides with your political belief. You can't say, well, that don't agree with the Democratic Party. That don't agree with the Republican Party. Well, I'm an independent. All of that's good, but God trumps all of that. God say, listen, I don't care... Hey, your, the president can't be your idol. The king of Iraq can't be your idol. You can't have nothing you bowing down to that makes you compromise your love for God. You got to love God above everything, above your political party, your company. I don't care what it is. If you saying you're a true believer of Christ, I'm telling you today, his name is jealous, and he's not going to tolerate you bowing down to anything 
other than him. That's the word. It says, for I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate. Listen, the, the, the first commandment, the first thing that God uttered out his mouth when he was trying to teach the children of Israel how to live is I'm priority number one. My name is jealous and I will have no rivals. God said, I'm not in competition with nobody. Nobody can free you like me. Nobody can comfort you like me. Nobody can give you peace like me. Nobody can bless you like me. So in return, I will have no rivals because there is no other God. There is no other entity that exists that can manage your life and free you and deliver you like God can. There is no other God. All right. So now that you understand he's a God of order, and then you understand his name is jealous, then you can understand why he operates the way he operates. Because at his very nature, in his intellect, he sees order. First things first. In his nature, he sees I'm jealous. I won't have anything before me. And if your life is out of order, if you find yourself struggling to be at peace, if you find yourself struggling, then what you got to do is start searching for the order of your life. Start searching for what are my priorities. Look at your life and say, okay, is God really number one? Do I love God above everything else? And if you be honest with yourself, then you will start to see where you can make improvements in your walk with God. So remember that God said, I will have no rivals. He said, I'm not in competition. There's no equal. There's none beside him. Praise God. So now let's go over here to the book of Matthew chapter 6. So now we're going to move into the second phase of this teaching, Matthew chapter 6. And now you're going to understand why Jesus would say the things that he say. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Remember, God is a God of order. And if you're struggling in your life, you, I guarantee you can trace it to some things being out of order. And number one, you got to make sure that your walk with God is not out of order. So here's Jesus coming on the scene, and look what he's saying. But seek ye first. Somebody say first. <laughs> Somebody say first. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That right there preaches by itself. What he's saying is, everything you do, every decision that you make, if you are saying that you are in the kingdom of God, everything that you do should revolve around, is it in line with the kingdom of God? Is this decision going to take me out of the kingdom of God? Or is this decision going to keep me moving in the kingdom of God? And if you weigh every decision like that, you'll make better decisions. When you're thinking about moving, when you're thinking about switching careers, when you're thinking about marrying somebody, you measure that or you bounce that against, is this conducive for the kingdom of God? And if the decision you're getting ready to make is not conducive to keeping you in line with the kingdom of God, it's very simple. It's not God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Look at that. So, priorities. I get it. I understand why he's saying priorities. He's saying if you make the kingdom of God, if you make God your priority, he said everything that the Gentiles worry about, stress about, wonder about, think about, he said all of that will be added to you. All of that will become sweatless victory to you. The reason you talk and the reason you struggle is because the kingdom of God is not priority. When the kingdom of God becomes priority, everything the world worries about. Man, the favor of God will come upon your life and all these things they worry to give is going to be added to you. He said, so take therefore no thought for your life for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. For sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Praise God. Let's go over here to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. All right. So this is something I want to, well, 
Before I go there, let's go to Exodus 34 and 19. Let's go to Exodus because I, that was the Holy Ghost. I, this is a profound principle that I want to give you, man, and I'm telling you, you can take it to the grave. You can take this and etch it in your mind, and I'm telling you, it will be something you can hang your life on. Exodus 34, verse 19 to 20. Exodus 34, verse 19 to 20. Remember, we're talking about priority. Exodus 34, verse 19 and 20. All right. So here's God introducing a principle to the children of Israel. And over in verse chapter 20, he told them, have no other gods before me because my name is jealous. And over here, he just told them that. The verse 19 Look at the principle that God is introducing to him. And I want to take my time with this because it's going to, many people say that God is first, but this is how you know. This is how you know if God is first. And this is how God knows if he's first in your life. Verse 19, all that opened it, the matrix is mine. <laughs> Look what God said. He said, all that opens the matrix is mine. That word matrix is synonym, is a synonym for the word womb or where something is conceived and incubates and cultivates and develops. So God is saying you can have a womb. Cattle have womb. Women have womb. Uh, the earth has a womb where things are produced. And God says when a human being really has love for me and I am their God and I am first in their life he said this is how I determine if I'm first in their life. If the first thing that they produce they give it to me that's proof that I'm first. But what do you mean preacher? What do you mean? Let's say uh, because why don't? Let me tell you why he said that first. Because usually the first thing that is produced is the strongest, it's the strength of your seed, it's the most potent, it's the most powerful. And so usually the first or the first fruit, like the scripture called it, is it, it, it opens up the womb. It's the strongest. So it is the best. So all God is saying is the first thing you produce, give it to me because that is the best. The first is the best. And so what he's saying is, I want the best. So he said, if the, now let me show you what he means by this. <laughs> Look at the rest of this. Every firstling among the cattle, if a cow, a, a cattle produced a baby, God wanted the first one. Whether it's ox or sheep, that is male. He wanted it male because the male was obviously the strongest. So the first male, God said, if it opens the matrix, it's male, it's the strongest, it's the best, sacrifice that to me. So why, what's the best part of your day? God wants the first part of your day. Seek me early while I may be found. But when I, and I think about this, and, and it's amazing that God has shared this with me because I think about it now whenever I work and whenever I make income it's automatic the first part of what I'm before I even pay myself first because if you're good with your finances you gotta pay yourself you gotta put some of your money up you can't spend everything you make but even before I pay myself and put a portion to the side I make sure I give God his first because and to me that's letting me know that God is first. I don't go, I don't pay myself, pay my bills, pay everybody, go out, go on vacation, and then if I got about $40 left, okay, God, I'm going to go ahead on and give you that. No. Everything else is secondary. First things first. You prove to God that he's first when you think about him first, when you put him first. And I'm telling you how I function. When I get income and I produce the first part of that, that's going to God. It's not even a question. It's not even a thought. I don't even think about it. It's routine because I know. And why is it like that with me? Because I know he's the source of it. 
I know, praise, and look, <laughs> throughout these years, man, God has tried me on that principle. It's easy for me to put God first when I have plenty. <laughs> but what about keeping God first when you're going paycheck to paycheck? Then you're struggling to make ends meet. And you're trying to fit. <laughs> it don't matter. The widow woman gave us that example. Elijah told that woman this because Elijah understood as the prophet, he understood this. God is a God of order and God is a God of wanting to be first. And so when he met that widow woman, he came out and God told him, he said, hey, I commanded this widow woman to take care of you. God commanded a widow woman to sustain the prophet and she didn't even have much. Guess how much the widow woman had? See, y'all better catch this. When God spoke that word to that prophet, the prophet was in another place. The woman didn't even know the prophet was coming. And God had already analyzed the little bit that the woman had. But God knew that the woman would put him first. And God couldn't transfer that blessing to that woman until she sold or put him first. See, many of you, God want to bless you. And God want to bring great things to your life. But it's out of order. So God can't funnel to you the things that he want to funnel to you because your life is out of order. People, I'm just sharing with you, this is how God operates. He operates in order and he operates by being first. When you put him first, the rest fall in line. So when Elijah met that woman, he came to that woman, praise God, and that woman said, and I want to slow down. When, that, when God spoke that to Elijah, the woman didn't have much. And not only she didn't have much, she didn't even know that God was getting ready to set her up for this. She had no idea. See, God was looking out for that woman before she even knew it was coming. But he had to do it the way he operated. All right. So you can't ask God to bless you outside of his principles, outside of the way he operates. If you want to walk in, you got to put God first. That's the number one sin. The number one, the first thing God addressed is I want to be first. I hope I'm not sounding redundant, but I'm really trying to drive this home to show you this is how God operates. So Elijah met the woman, and the prophet came, and, and, and when he met her, he said, bake me a cake. And she was like, well, all I have is a little bit left, and I, I mean, all I got is enough for my last meal. I'm going to cook this meal, and me and my son going to eat, and after that, we don't even know what's going to happen. We just going to wait till we die. Elijah said, no. The reason you suffer and lack is because your life is out of order. <laughs> and he said, bake me a cake first or put God first. See, God is trying to bless some people, but you've got to shift your priorities. You suffer and lack in your health and your finances and in your peace of mind because you don't have God first. But if you start sowing the first fruits of your day to God, start sowing the first fruits of your time, the first fruit. Start putting God first in, in your day, in your finances, in your church, in your service. And when you start putting God first, you'll start to see just like this widow woman. He introduced this principle to this woman. And Elijah said, listen, as long as this famine is going on, that cruise will not run dry. You will be provided for. So saints of God, whether you have plenty, a little bit, it don't matter. A lot of time, a little bit of time, it don't matter. Put God first. Always put God first. Don't never let the don't ever let the enemy test you or try you in areas of keeping God first. I don't care if you make a thousand dollars, give God his hundred. Now, if you make five thousand, give him his five. If you make ten, give him his five. Never let the enemy battle you with keeping God first because that's the key. And don't keep him first because you okay. I just in it for the fishing alone. No. Put him first in everything you do because that's where he belongs. He belongs first. The Bible says it is he that made us and not we ourselves. So the concept was introduced to the children of Israel. Whatever opens the matrix is mine. So if you're looking to be productive in any area, the matrix represents productivity. And if you want everything that you put your hand to to be productive, do you want the blessing of God? 
put God first. Let's say you open a business. What is for you to take some of that first profit that you make and honor God with that? And what you're saying is, God, we're keeping you first in this company. And we're going to make sure that we operate the way you want us to operate. And we're going to make sure we bless you. And we're going to make sure we keep you first. If God give you a raise, say, God, you know what? I'm going to take a portion of this, the first fruit of this raise. I'm going to bless you with that. I'm going to honor you with my substance. And I'm just going through a different scenarios. God, when I get up in the morning, when my mind is fresh and my body is fresh, and I'm not all stressed out, and I got my energy and everything, I'm feeling good, I'm rested, I'm going to come in prayer with you because I want to give you the best of my time. I don't want to come give you my time after I've been stressed all day and I'm all irritated and I'm all aggravated and I throw you the scraps of my day and I expect you to be okay with that. No, I want to give you the best of my mind. I want to give you the best of my body when I'm strong, when I'm energized, when I'm feeling good. That's when I want to commune with you because I think that you deserve to be first. So I'm going to start making you priority. Somebody say make God priority. Praise God. Make God priority in your life. Make him first. So all that opens the matrix is mine. That's a principle I wanted to leave. And then look what he, he kept on going. But the first thing of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, thou shalt bring his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem, and none shall appear before me empty. Y'all, look at this right here. God is saying, how can you say I'm first and you coming before me empty? The energy empty. The enthusiasm empty. You come before me in the offering time empty. God said, you should never come before me empty. God said, I'm not, it's not about what you have. It, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how you feel about God. It's not about how much you have. It's not about where you go to church. It's not, it's not, it's about if God is first in your life, then you can prove it by showing him that he's first. Giving him the best of your energy, the best of your mind, the best of your heart, honoring him with your substance, your whole life, your whole life reflecting that God you're first. That, and don't be narrow-minded and think and shallow-minded and think that God is just talking about financial things. That's one facet. That's one box where you can show God is first. But showing that God is first is a lifestyle. Acknowledging him in all of your ways. Anything you get ready to do, you acknowledge him and you put him first. You want to know what he think about it. You want to know how you feel about it. That's putting God first. You're thinking about pursuing somebody. Pray about it. God, what you think about it. And you let God bring the pieces together. And if God give you signals, that's not the person for you. Walk away from it. Because God is not trying to keep you from something that's good. Because the scriptures say every good and perfect gift come from God. So if God is telling you to keep something out of your life, it's not because he don't want you to experience something good. He just knows that's not what's best. So if you put God first and give him your best, he's going to make sure you have the best. So that was principle number one. Whatever opens up the matrix, any area, let's just say you're getting ready to, you're an entrepreneur, praise God, and you got a business. And man, don't wait until you booming and you prospering and all. Man, take that firstling of that seed and say, God, this revenue opened up the matrix of my company. And I believe you're going to bless my company. So I'm going to honor you with the first part of this revenue. And, I'm, and this is my gratitude for you giving me the wisdom to open this business, to build a team, to shift the lineage of my family. And in honor of you giving me the wisdom and the insight to do this, I'm going to put you first. Praise God. That's putting God first. So the first thing we got to learn is we can tell. Or God can tell. God wants you to know he can tell if he first in your life. God don't want you just giving him things that you can spare. You spare change. No. Man, when you, man I'm telling you, that's a, such a beautiful life. When you make God first, man, things get easy. So let me go over here and show you Luke chapter 10. Now, this is something that I want to share, man. Luke chapter 10, it just jumped off the page. It's simple. But 
what I want to share, y'all write this down. Priority discernment. Priority discernment. This is what God want to download into you. This is something that God want to impart into you, shall I say. That's important and download. I'm, I said download because I think about the information being downloaded in the software. But Paul used the term impart. Important in the Bible and downloading today, that's the same thing. But that just simply means when information that you didn't have is put in your spirit. So what God want to give you is the ability to discern what's priority. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Because a lot of times we just simply don't know how to discern what's more important than something else. Sometimes we got a lot going on and we simply don't even understand what's, what we should be doing. What's priority? Okay, so priority discernment. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 to verse 38. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Priority discernment. And it came, and she had us, okay, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. She had all kind of things in her mind, all kind of things going on about much serving. And she came to him. Cumber just means worry. You just got a lot on your mind. And she came to him. And look what she said. She said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Bid her, therefore, that she should help me. Now, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. And this is what God is telling these millennials and generation Xs and all this distracted society. We live in a world, we, I'm going to call this the distracted society, the ADHD society. Our attention span is so quick because there's so many things flying at us. So much information coming our way. So not in how to give people medicine just to concentrate, to stay focused on one task. That's a, that's a testament of the society that we're in. And look at, look, at, look at Martha. Martha didn't have priority discernment. So look what she told the Lord. Thou art, Lord, look what God, or the Lord answered. Her. Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, or one thing is priority. <laughs> and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So Martha would have fit perfect in this society. <laughs> Martha represents every one of you that's full of care and distracted and worried about all kind of things and don't have priority discernment. Here is the Lord, the Messiah, sitting under the roof with you and he's getting ready to pour out word. He's getting ready to pour out scripture. He's getting ready to teach you about God. He's getting ready to explain who knows what he was ready to drop. Who knows what he was getting ready to pour out. And she was worried about getting some food ready. She was worried about serving. She was worried about Jesus is sitting there getting ready to teach and in the Bible, they called it sitting at the feet of the teacher. And Mary sitting at the feet of the Messiah. And she, her heart is open. Her mind is open. Her spirit is open. Because she was able to discern the move of God. She was able to discern priority. And because she said, hold on. That, that food going to be there. That problem going to be there. Tomorrow going to be there. He said, but here is an opportunity. To get taught about a Messiah? I'm not worried about all of that right now. And, and see, and what Jesus was telling Martha was, you don't know how to discern opportunity. You don't know how to discern what's important. You don't know how to discern what's priority. But Mary, on the other hand, she chose. See, you got to choose what's priority. The first thing you got to do is ask God, God, give me priority discernment. With all of this corona going on and kids and 
and all of this called what is priority. <laughs> priority is this, making sure your walk with God is tight. In the time that we living in, it's not time to be, you, you, you got all kind of other things in order, but your spiritual life out of order. But no, priority number one in this season is tending to your spiritual life. Shifting your priorities and making sure that God is first. And what does that mean, ADHD person? That means that some things you might not be able to get to. Some things you might not be able to take that extra job. You might not be able to, and that's okay. But it says Mary chose the good part. And by her choosing the good part, some of those other things were left undone. But when she died, she was going to be with the Lord. And that's what I'm telling you today. You got to learn how to discern what's priority, what's important, what's eternal, what matters. And some things you may not get to, but that's not the end of the world. Because if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what did it matter? Shift your priorities, people of God. Shift your priorities. Be conscious. Be conscious. Be conscious of the place that God has in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's finish this up. Today was word day, so we're gonna we almost done. Let's go over here to the book of Luke 14, and we're just gonna finish this up. We're gonna finish up over here in Luke 14. Somebody just got don't be Martha, y'all. Don't be so worried about all kind of things, and you go to God and pray three minutes. You go to God, you open your box. Don't be Martha. Be Mary. Choose the good part. Priority discernment. And I'm praying with you that God gives you priority discernment. Hopefully I gave you some principles today, amen, that will help you set your life in order. Because remember, you're walking with a God of order. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. What that is saying is God is going to always deal with you about putting your priorities in order. And number one, is making sure he first. So Luke 14, 16 to 24, and then we're gonna we're gonna close. All right. Luke 14, 16 to 24. And he came to, and they then said he unto them, praise God. A certain man made a great supper and he invited many people. And he sent his servant at a supper time to say to them that were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. God wasn't proud. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I just bought a house. I just bought some land. I just opened a business. And I must needs and go see it. I pray, have me excused. God is not going to excuse you because you got some other things that you think are priority. He would excuse you from coming to that invitation but he won't excuse you for the accountability you're going to have to give in the end of judgment on why you chose not to make him priority. See, you, today, God will excuse you, and you can go do whatever you want to do, but you're going to have to give an account for it, and you're going to have to remember, man, I put my business first. I put my wife first. I put my husband first. I put, God is going to show you these things. So they made an excuse. The second one said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I got to go prove them. <laughs> Have me excused. I mean, I just bought this brand new car. I need to go drive this. I need to go clean it. I need to go do this. I need to go that. And he say, man, have me excused. See, you got to see what priorities are. Another one said, I married a wife. Therefore, I can't come. You would think that's, in, that's, that's valid. Because <laughs> in the old time, they would give you a year off a wall. And you wouldn't have to. You had a whole year to make your relationship, Tyler, build a bond. But things have shifted. And God said, you, God, you can't say, God, I'm, I, I, no, there is no. So bought a house, a piece of ground, oxen, got married. All of these things are exciting. All of the things are part of life. But there are not excuses for keeping God in his proper order. So the servant came and he showed his Lord. The, and he, t- he went back and he told God, the God, I see you call many people, but everybody got excuses. God, everybody got things that's more important to them than putting you first. 
guess what? That didn't stop the show. See, you may get out of what God has called you to do, and you're going to have to give an account for it, but God didn't say, okay, we're going to shut the kingdom of God down. We're going to close the door. No, look what he says. The master of the house, he got upset. See, first thing you need to know, that if you're making excuses and putting things before God, the master of the house is angry with you. That's God. If you got idols and you got things that you're putting in front of him that's stopping you from fulfilling the call of God and you got excuses and you got reasons and you got problems and you the master of the house is angry with you because God's saying, I called you and it don't matter what you got going on. He said the high priest is surrounded with infirmities, but he still got to do his job. So there is no reason that you can give that's acceptable for you getting out of being accountable of what God has called you to do, keeping him first. So the master got angry. Then he told his servant, okay, the show must go on. <coughs> show must go on. He said, God, we invited all these people and gave them callings to be apostles, prophets, prophets, teachers. But they all had excuses on why they couldn't do it. I got this problem, I got my job, I got this. And God said, I tell you what, the first thing God wants you to know is that he's angry because you're letting all these scenarios and situations block you from becoming what God has called you to be. Somebody needs to hashtag no excuses, period. But then he said, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor. The main, the halt, and the blind. What God was saying is, man, I don't need people with degrees and, and articulate. All I need is somebody that's willing. And I can impart the gift of wisdom, the word of knowledge. God said, just find somebody that's willing to put me first. And if you find somebody that's willing to put me first, I can equip them for the job. Just God say, just go out there and invite whoever you can find. And once I see what I got, I can work with it. So the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there's room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. But that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So this is what you got to know. This is what you got to know. The kingdom of God is massive and is ageless and is timeless. The kingdom of God, when Christ came and he started the kingdom of God on the earth and the spirit of God, and he started introducing that. And when he was getting ready to leave, you got to realize something. You got to realize something. Let me show you something about the kingdom of God. See, God calls men into the kingdom of God. And he'll speak words into your life. Then he'll let you know who you are and what he called you to do and all of these things. But you've got to know what you've been connected to. You have not been connected to a kingdom that came into existence when you were called. The kingdom of God didn't come into existence when you started ministry. The kingdom of God came into existence about 2,000 years ago when Christ started calling his disciples. And when he got ready to leave, he prayed. He said, Father, make them one. He was talking about them 12. And then he said, but not only them. He said, I pray for them that's going to believe on me through their word. So what he did, he released the kingdom of God to travel for generations. So when you are called into the kingdom of God, you are connected into a system, into a government that travels through generations, ages, thousands of years. Listen to me. It has traveled through China. It has traveled through Japan, Europe, America. And this is why you can't have no idols. Because the kingdom of God has traveled in countries where some of the governments of that country are freer for people to worship God. And some places the kingdom of God has traveled. It has caused people to become martyrs. (laughs) Praise God. Or killed for the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God still had to function the kingdom of God has functioned in Stalinism. The kingdom of God has functioned in democracy. The kingdom of God has functioned in the People's Republic of China. The, the kingdom of God 
functioning in, in Germany. I mean, the kingdom, every type of government that has ever existed, the kingdom of God to function there is thousands of years old. And when the kingdom of God comes in your life, it's not starting with you. But that's why he talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because what he did, he let the kingdom of God have the flexibility to travel into every culture, in every time, in every season. The kingdom of God is full of wisdom. It can adapt. It can evolve. It can maneuver. It can move. Praise God. Just like now, the kingdom of God can innovate. The kingdom of God, Paul said it like this. He said, to win him, I became him. He said, when the kingdom of God went into Rome, I became a Roman. When the kingdom of God went into Israel, I be- he said, to win a Jew, I became a Jew. He said, when God sent me to the barbarians, I became as the barbarians. He said, wherever the kingdom of God took me, I looked at how the people were and I became them that I may win some. That's why the kingdom of God is the most dominant government that exists because number one, there is no end to it. And number two is flexible. It can maneuver and can travel. And in any culture and in any season and in any time, God will raise up people wherever the kingdom of God is to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God wherever they are. Praise God. Praise God. Now I understand Paul saying that. When I went to Rome, I became as the Romans. I became as a Jew. When I got around people that shaved their head, I shaved my head. He said, whatever it took to win somebody into the kingdom. And then when he, man, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you think about the kingdom, man. It's beautiful. When he was writing the work to the flesh, he said, the work to the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then he gave a long list. And then he said this very beautiful thing and such light. Why he said such light? Because he understood the kingdom of God would carry on when he was gone. The kingdom of God would raise up other people. And he gave the people the ability in whatever culture they lived in, whatever country they lived in, whatever government they under. He gave them the ability to discern what was going on where they are and then could add to the works of the flesh even because he knew. Things would be invented that he had never seen. Because that's why I can say right now, if I'm reading the work to the flesh, then I can come back and I can put things like uh, doing cocaine, work of the flesh, pornography, work of the flesh. Why? Because Paul left it open for people to be able to discern the origin of something in their day. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. And identify in their day what's of God and what's not of God. Praise God. So the kingdom of God is beautiful, man. The kingdom of God is glorious, is magnificent, is innovative, is full of wisdom. And don't worry about it. If God has called you to serve in his wonderful kingdom, listen to me. He will equip you. He will give you discernment, wisdom, healing, whatever is needed. He will download it. So the first thing the church needs downloaded in her spirit is priority discernment. We gotta get away from being like Martha and having all kind of things in our mind and not God. When God is moving, everything shuts down. Remember this story. We're going to get ready to pray. The scripture says this. The scripture says this. At a certain season, God was sending an angel to trouble the water. See, God moves in seasons. God moves in time. And you better ask God, God, help me to discern the move of God. God, and not only discern the move of God, but get in the flow, to get in the wave, to get in it. Because I know this is a move of God, but there's many moving gods all over the world. And you got to ask God to help you to discern a move of God and get in it and get involved in it and put your hand to the plow. And don't look back, praise God. Praise God. You got to ask God, God, help me. When you stir that water up, help me discern it and help me to jump in because you don't want to miss God. Praise God. I thank all of you for watching us today. Amen. We talked about priority. God is jealous. God is a God of order. How can we tell if God is first? Whatever opens the matrix, give it to God. The first thing that's produced, give it to him on him with our substance. We got to prove to God that he first. When we get ready to make major decisions, we show God is first by acknowledging him. 
We don't just do something and ask God to jump on board with it. No, we seek him before we do it. And we ask God. And we, if we don't hear from God, we don't move. Don't move until you know it's God. Tell him to confirm it like Gideon did. Praise God. So we talk about priority discernment. Amen. There's some, some nuggets in this message. There's some information. I pray you wrote some notes. Took it down. Go back over today. Amen. And, and during the week. And, and make sure you analyze and is God first? Am I showing him that he's first in my prayer time when I get up in the morning, when my mind is fresh, my body is fresh? Am I showing him he's first in my finances? Am I showing him he's first in my service? Am I giving him my best? You can prove to God that he's first. Am I making a decision and then asking God to join it? Or am I seeking him about the decision and then if he direct me to do it or not do it, I'll obey that's how you show up God is first. So we talked about priorities today. Praise God. I love you. Amen. We're going to get ready to pray. Amen. Then don't be like the person. Amen. If you've been making excuses on why you can't become a man of God, woman of God, pray, whatever. Amen. It's time to shift some things around. Amen. Start shifting some things around and start putting God first. Remember, he's jealous. No rivals. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, we come before you today. God, I thank you for the precious, precious word of the Lord, because God, it is truly food for the spirit. God is food for the soul. God, and let us as a people, if we haven't had you first, we owe you an apology. God, if we haven't made you feel like you're a priority, God, we owe you some repentance. God, not just from our mouth, but in our behavior. God, the morning, God, let us set our clocks to meet you first like you met Adam in the cool of the day. God, if we get up at six, let us move it to five. God, let us begin to show you in our actions that you are first. God, no more sleeping to the last minute than hurry up getting in the car driving off to work then come back in the end of the day drain about 10, 11, 12 o'clock laying before you for three minutes and just throwing you up in it no we want to put you first we want to make you priority God and when we make you priority every obstacle God every barrier God every roadblock God every problem God everything that we face everything we worry about everything that battles us and ails us and, and, and torments us. You'll take care of it, God. So, God, if we need to repent before you right now, God, help us to be humble enough to do it. God, let us not be arrogant. God, let us not be proud. God, let us not be a people, God, that God defend, God, having idols. God, let us, by the Spirit, discern our idols. God, let us discern our lack of making you priority. God, no more having other gods before you. God, let us realize, hallelujah, Lord, that we serve a jealous God. No rivals, hallelujah, Lord. No rivals, hallelujah, Lord. No rivals, no rivals. We want to keep you first, God. Help us, oh God, to honor you with our substance, God, with our time, God, with our energy, God, with our mind, God, not shortchanging you, God, and take that spirit of Martha away from the church, God, where we worry about all kind of things and have our mind consumed with so many things, God, other than you. God, take Martha's spirit out of the church and let Mary's spirit be in us, God. Well, she knew how to discern a move of God and how to make the move of God priority. God, she knew how to discern that the Messiah was in her presence. And the Messiah was getting ready to unfold the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And she, God, made a choice that day to discern the move of God and to make the move of God priority. God, and then give us the faith to know that if we make you priority, everything else that we worry about, 
everything else that plagues the mind, everything else that consumes and robs us of our peace, oh God. God, you will take care of it, oh God. But you are a God of order. And we repent for allowing chaos to be in our life. Teach us how to walk with the God of order. Teach us how to give unto you the first fruit of productivity. And God, knowing that you're going to take care of the rest. God, and if there's anybody, God, in the bondage, God, free them. God, if there's anything blocking them from making you priority, give them the power to shake it away. Give them the power to, God, let the anointing destroy the yokes of idolatry. For God, that is the sum of what we're talking about today. Removing any idol out of our life and giving you the first of our mind, of our spirit, of our heart, and of our soul. God, let us treat you as the wonderful thing that you are and keep you first in everything that we do. Praise God. God bless you on today. Amen. God bless you. We're going to read our benediction. Praise God. All right. It's right there. So our benediction is number six. Y'all, somebody put that in the screen and y'all keep that with y'all. Numbers chapter six. What is it? 24 to 27 is what we go to. It's Numbers chapter six, verse 24 to 27. And we read this every week and we believe in this. I believe in this because I've seen so many testimonies since we've been reading this. You know, the word of God has been released in the atmosphere of his people. And I mean, the blessings of God has just really been overtaking the people of God and, and, and shifting some things. So take this word today and make God priority. Number six, 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. And remember y'all today, I know church looked a little different. It was word Sunday. Amen. But remember next week, if everything goes according to plan, I just thought of a word. I remember in my economics class, they used this word. I thought it was kind of a citrus purpose, meaning all things equal. Y'all ever heard that word? Y'all never heard that? Okay. That just means as long as all things are equal. So if it be the Lord's will next week, amen, we're going to have our regular program or service or whatever. Amen. And um, our stage is being redone, our wall redone. Just going to have some things, amen, to serve you better. Amen. So keep us in prayer that God gives us wisdom. He directs us. And as you sow into the kingdom of God, that the house of God manages your affairs and manages God's storehouse properly with wisdom and let everything be all about the kingdom of God. Amen. So we love you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.